0: Hello and welcome to the Wired BioHealth Podcast. My name is Jacqueline Hall and I will be your show your show's host for today. Um, I am so looking forward to this conversation. Kind of as we're coming into the holiday season, there's a lot of good stress, but potentially there's a lot of bad stress that's associated with this time of year. There's a lot of kind of preconceived notions that we have of what the holidays are supposed to look like who we should be surrounded by, the things that we should be doing, potentially money is stretched a little bit thin this time of year. And so I wanted to invite on a guest today who really understands the intricacies and the family dynamics as it relates to substance use disorders. A lot of holiday parties tends to be fueled um, by alcohol or substances that maybe wouldn't be present at other times of the year. And there can be kind of social pressures to involve yourself in situations that maybe you would Typically say no to. So today's guest is Heather Ross. She is a mother of a child who struggled with addiction. She is also a certified parent support coach, invitation to change certified, CRAFT trained, as well as the host of the popular podcast Living with Your Child's Addiction. So without further ado, Heather Ross.
1: Thank you so much for having me on today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. As I was thinking back, preparing for today's episode, it's interesting. We first crossed paths when you had on Dr. Evelyn Higgins, our CEO, as a guest on your show, Living With Your Child's Addiction, Um, and how now it's kind of flipped.
1: Yeah, I was so excited to find out about her and get to have her on the podcast because as soon as I heard what she was doing, I thought like, why hasn't this been done before? And I was so excited to share it with my audience because it was finally a way to really show, we have this, This we wanna simplify everything, right? Like, or oversimplify it. And I think that substance use is, is definitely one of those things we oversimplify and it really helps show the complexity of this biopsychosocial condition And I was really excited to share something that people could really see that measurement of what was actually happening to somebody who is struggling.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So often, Dr. Higgins talks about how addiction is not a single molecule disease. Therefore, it's not going to have a single molecule solution. And so it's so important to bring in the biological tools that we offer at Wired BioHealth and Wired for Addiction, along with the cycle and social tools that you offer in your coaching program. So Tell me a little bit more about um, kind of what you do and how you do it. So
1: I focus on family recovery. I work with parents um, one-on-one and in group coaching. And our focus is really helping them understand addiction more, the complexity of it, helping them understand what their child is going through and that it's not something that just one person in the family needs to change that when the whole family comes together, I like to use the sports analogy. Like if you had a, you know, a son in high school, and he was playing baseball, the whole family would get involved, right? Everybody to wear matching shirts, they'd go to all the games together, everybody would learn everything about baseball. And we need to apply that same thing to helping somebody we love into recovery, like everybody needs to be educated and understanding and supporting. It's not just about one person changing. When everybody works together, studies show that there's much better outcomes long-term. So it's about seeing this bigger picture. And then, you know, it's really hard to overcome a lot of the stigmas about addiction. And so as I'm working with families, it's really helping them see, okay, there's, they tend to want to have one measurement of recovery and lifelong abstinence is the only measure for success. And that can be very debilitating because it's a process. The human change process is, is lifelong. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And so We come up with other ways of measuring things so that families don't feel like, okay, this isn't working. We're going to scrap it all and try something else or do something extreme. You know, it's taking one little thing at a time. It's like a science experiment trying to figure out what works. You know, maybe you just learned what didn't work. It wasn't a failure. Mm -hmm. And just helping them to continue to move forward and also have their own quality of life. Mm -hmm. right? Like when your quality of life depends on somebody else changing, well, that's an unfair situation for a parent to be in. And it's an unfair situation for a child who's already struggling to be in to have the weight of their parents, mental health on them. And it also teaches them to do the work that we want our kids to do. Like, it's one thing for us to say, like, You need to go to treatment and you need to go to counseling and you need to do all these things, not really understanding what we're asking them to do. And so us putting ourselves in the process with them, we get more of an understanding of how hard it is for us to change as well.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I I like to think of the analogy of physical therapy, more than likely you have one session a week, right? So you need to continue all of the things that you learned in that one hour and apply it to the other 23 hours of your day and the other seven days a week, right? And so recovery is no different. And as you mentioned, In the treatment world, there is no consensus on what the definition of recovery is, right? For some people, it's sobriety. For some people, it's abstinence. For some people, it's less use. For some people, it's use, but their life has um, improved in some way. And so from the wired biohealth perspective, like recovery for us is simple. We're able to measure if there's a reference range within certain biomarkers. We can see that you're technically, physiologically in recovery. But helping families understand what does recovery look like for you? And there's not this straight line to success, right? There's gonna be ups and downs and it's figuring what works for you and to not place this extra burden on your child of get sober or be recovered for your family. You have to do it for yourself first because this is the relationship that you're gonna have for the rest of your life. The other people are gonna come and go, but this is the one you have to live with.
1: Yeah, I always say that like, the relationship we have with ourselves sets the tone for all of our other relationships in our life. And if we're not working on that, that relationship, or even recognizing the importance of it, then we're so outwardly focused, we're trying to change everything around us, which makes us feel completely powerless, instead of like, hey, that's great news. All you have to do is work on yourself, (laughs) instead of trying to control everybody else. And there's actually something that you can do to support yourself and the person that you're, you know, your
0: child that you're trying to help. Yeah. Do you typically work with, um, younger, like teenage, uh, families, or are you talking older teenage, young adult? What's your kind of sweet spot?
1: Really all ages. Um, it's just a matter of when, you know, where in the process their parent finds me. I mean, craft, which is community reinforcement and family training and the invitation to change approach that I work with has been around since the eighties and it's, um, evidence-based, but yet not many people know about it. And so when people find it, it actually finally gives them hope, you know, because we hear we've got to wait for somebody to hit rock bottom. There's nothing you can do. Just work on yourself. This, these programs, there are things that you actually can do to be a more effective helper, and that there is nothing wrong with you for wanting to help. That's just normal. That's how we're wired as humans. And so it's just a matter of these families finding this, and there's this simultaneous hope, when they find it, right, that that things actually can change, there is something that they can do, it doesn't have to be so hard. And there's also that grief that it took so long to find it. So it really depends on, you know, where the person is in their process, but it works with anybody, right? From a family with a young teenager, who's just starting out to a family who's, you know, one of my clients, I think her son was in his forties and he's in recovery now. So it, it can work at any age, it's never too late to change and take a different approach.
0: Yeah. How did you find yourself in this work?
1: Well, that's a hard story. My daughter started struggling when she was really young. Um, this was about 10 years ago. And so this, the, the things I work with today weren't as available to me. And in my fear, I did take advice that didn't feel right to me. But I was willing to do anything. And so I took more of that tough love approach and it made things worse. My daughter, you know, she was struggling with self-harm and eating disorder, depression, anxiety, and, you know, then substance use. And I was just, I felt like I was playing that game whack-a-mole. Like when I would address one thing, the other things would get worse And I was just so overwhelmed. And it took me like five years to find craft. And I found coaching at the same time and started really working on myself. And I noticed my daughter responding to it. By this time, her addiction has escalated. She's lived homeless. We've experienced so many more traumas than we ever needed to. And, but yet she started responding to my changes And I started to experience hope. It's like, I read, I found the book Beyond Addiction, How Science and Kindness Help People Change. I read this book and my daughter starts changing too. And I started just this really loving, compassionate, but firm approach. And rebuilding my relationship with her, focusing on connection. She hated me at that point. I thought our relationship could never be repaired. She told me that all the time, but- we ended up repairing our relationship and healing started happening before she got into recovery. She started, you know, that process of trying to figure out what was going to work for her, that experimenting with how her recovery was going to look. Um, She eventually did get into recovery and um, for about 18 months Her life was getting better every time I saw her. It was like just this light inside of her was glowing and she just looked happier. And, you know, she was finding her way as a sober young woman in recovery. But some things happened that she was really struggling with and she just didn't have the tools to do with deal with them. She had a reoccurrence of use and ended up passing away almost two years ago. And that just lit a fire under me to get this information to more parents sooner. Like I spent day and night looking for help for us Mm -hmm. and everything that I found just made things worse. And so, you know, I can't even imagine if Wired uh, BioHealth was around at that time, like I would have been the first person in line Mm -hmm. because when I found out about like the DNA testing where they can figure out, you know, I did that immediately, even though all the doctors were like, oh, it's unnecessary. We'll just try and figure out what, what will help her. Meanwhile, she's feeling more and more hopeless because nothing's working or changing how she feels. Mm -hmm. And so I just, you know, I felt like I had to fill this empty space and reach out to these families that were struggling as much as I was. And most of them in silence Mm-hmm. you know, and shame and, and fear of telling anybody because of all of the stigma and judgment.
0: Yeah, that I mean, I, I can't imagine how difficult that loss is. And Heather, as a mom, I have to commend you because you took probably one of the hardest things that any mom can ever imagine. And you figured out what can I do to help other people struggling? Because I know this pain, how can I help somebody hopefully intervene before feeling like there's nothing more I can do? And then it kind of it shifts the focus from this loss to a legacy that you can help to leave and you know without having had that chance to repair your relationship with your daughter that would have never been possible
1: yeah yeah and it's it's interesting about um i had her on my podcast twice to share her side of things yeah and i i ended my season with her two episodes and she passed away right after that so i'm so grateful to have those episodes for me Mm -hmm. and to share with people to hear her thought process and what she was going through. And, you know, she just had such a giving heart. She wanted other people to not have to go what we went through, go through what we went through. And she wanted our story to help other people. And so it, it helps me to be able to feel closer to her actually getting to use our
0: experience to help other families. Absolutely. She's still kind of your, your business partner,
1: if yes, you will, because exactly. you, you're
0: still working together, you know, and whether she's physically in this world or she's passed on, she's still with you every day. And I think it's just so commendable. And another reason that Wired BioHealth is so honored to kind of be a part of your network is because you're doing the work of finding the families that there's probably kind of a lot of shame and stigma, as you said, of parents feeling like somehow they've played a role in this. and whether that's a little bit true, whether it's a lot true, whether it's not true at all you you just hate for that to be the thing that can hold a family back from realizing recovery.
1: Yeah, yeah, so I'm so happy to have, you know I'm constantly telling families about it because um and I'm happy to have that video that Dr. Higgins made with Beth and Joey so that I can send that to them to just give them hope that this is, there, there are things that we can do beyond what we're already doing, and it needs to be more mainstream, like the way we look at things needs to change. And I'm grateful to be able to refer you guys to my clients because it just, their faces light up when I tell them about it. They're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, you listen to this podcast episode where Dr. Higgins was on and check out her website. And, you know, they're really excited to hear about it.
0: Yeah, that's so fantastic. And I love that you use the phrase whack-a-mole because we say the same thing, you know, let's not rely on the words of anxious and depressed and whatever the substance is. Let's figure out objectively what is causing these things on a biological level. Because from our perspective, this is the easy, this is the easy part of the work. We've done all the science and we just tell you guys what to do. It's the families that then, then have to tap into the psychosocial that you provide of like, okay, now let's get to work. Um, And once you have that sound biological foundation, I think there is a lot more recognition of, you know, potentially it's the dad saying, you know, my daughter just doesn't get it. She continues to do these things despite she knows what's going to happen. There's a little bit more empathy and understanding on the parents' part because they see physiologically, this is what is a large part of your child's behavior right? This isn't something that they say, I want to be like this. You don't meet anybody that says one day I wake up and I'm ready to be an addict. Today's the day, right? That's not how addiction works. Oftentimes it's self-medicating, either that diagnosed condition, the undiagnosed condition, or the trauma, and it works until it doesn't one day. Um, And so I think it's just, it's so wonderful to know that there are people like you who have a direct resource available. This isn't something that you, you have to search the internet and scour that, Heather Ross is available. So our listeners who maybe you're struggling this time of year, we're coming into the holidays. This is, you need more resources. Heather is here. Um, She's a friend to Wired BioHealth, and we really encourage you guys to reach out to her. So Heather, knowing that we're coming into the holidays, what are a few different tools that maybe parents can tap into this time of year if they have a child who's struggling?
1: Yeah, Beth and I did a workshop last month called Happy Enough Holidays. Okay. Okay. And because we just wanted to take the pressure off of this like Norman Rockwell painting type Christmas that everybody feels like they have to have. And some of the things that we talked about were just like removing the expectations of other people and releasing the expectations you have on yourself, right, to provide anything other than what you really need that year and maybe your holiday needs to look completely different than it ever has like just throw out all the rules all the expectations like just even dare to write down all the things that you wish you can do instead and maybe even start looking at those things even if it's um you know going away for the holiday instead of having to be around all these families that are celebrating and maybe you're missing somebody at your table or you know don't know where your child is or your relationship isn't that great with them like doing whatever you need to get through the holiday again like I talked about earlier people are doing so many things to meet other people's expectations and they're abandoning themselves in the process so you need to look inside of yourself and see what you need to get through this holiday. And if that's staying home with a a blanket and a book, then that's good enough. That's happy enough. That's the best way to spend the holiday is nurturing whatever you need and just releasing yourself from these commitments and expectations that you don't want to do. We even talked about like, You know, if you do go with the family, taking walks, you know, leaving to give yourself a little bit of a a break from being around everybody or excusing yourself and going to the bathroom, whatever it takes, whatever you need. Don't be afraid to do it. And, you know, everybody tends to worry about what everybody else is going to think, how it's going to affect them. Like, we don't want our suffering, you know, we don't want to cause discomfort for anybody else with our suffering. And so then we suffer even more. Don't do that to yourself. Give yourself what you need. And, um, you know, it's like companioning yourself through this. Have a lot of self-compassion because these are really hard times of the year. You can't get away from it. It's everywhere.
0: Yeah. I I think that's so empowering to not put yourself last in the holidays because, in six short days later, we're talking about writing our New Year's resolution list. And more than likely, putting yourself first is at the top of it. So don't totally sabotage yourself the week before, and then turn over this new leaf the following year. Start instilling some of those new things today. And if the holidays are really about a time of refre- reflection and joy, don't put yourself in a space that's not going to give you those things, right? No. Yeah.
1: And I just one quick story, like one year before um, when my daughter was still really struggling, I had made a huge dinner, expected all the kids to come over and nobody showed up. And instead of being mad, I, and I hadn't even heard from my daughter that day, I packed up half of everything that I had made drinks, desserts, everything. And I brought it to the house my daughter was living at and her roommates were not close with their families. And they were all just like, so grateful. And I let my daughter off the I didn't even ask her why she didn't show up or why she hadn't responded to me. Mm-hmm. And I did what felt good to me mm-hmm. and just let everything else go and enjoyed how good it felt to watch them enjoying that food that I had made. It didn't matter that it wasn't eaten at my house or whatever. I did what made me feel good in that moment. And it's, really a wonderful memory that I have even though it's completely untraditional
0: yeah yeah and I think that's great because it kind of goes back to the the painting of it's supposed to look a certain way it's supposed to be this thing it's supposed to be at a certain time of day when in reality it's more about the joy of the the idea of what's happening in that moment and it's I think once again, if the holiday season is about finding compassion for yourself and your neighbor, don't put all of these sticky parameters around what that's supposed to look like. I think it's supposed to really just be this overarching theme of happiness and compassion and I can't think of a better time to apply those things for a family who's struggling than in that moment. So exactly what you said, relieve yourself of these these barriers that could potentially be the thing that's holding back a bridge. And so I love that you are a person and through your coaching company you're you're helping to build bridges with families who maybe felt like it's it's broken beyond repair. So Heather, thank you for all that you do. This has been a wonderful conversation today. Um, If any of our listeners want to reach out to Heather, head over to her website, heatherrosscoaching.com. You can also follow her on social media. I encourage you to listen to her podcast as well. And then if you feel like you're a family who's struggling and you want to learn more about these biological tools that Heather and I discussed today, Go to the website. You can either head to wiredforaddiction.com or wiredbiohealth.com. Also call the office. We are open on Christmas Day, believe it or not. So the number is 1-888-841-7099. And we look forward to helping you and your family this holiday season. So Heather, thank you so much. It's been a great conversation and I hope you have a happy holiday.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. Bye, everybody.